0: Welcome back to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. It's been a while, but we're back with new episodes, finally. Uh, This one is a fun one. I'm on the road in Kentucky for a couple friends' weddings, and while I've been back, I got a chance to put together a really fun project. It's the very first public archaeology dig that I've been able to organize through Go Dig a Hole. So... In this episode, you learn a bit about the site, the landowner, and the people who came to help. We'll be back next time with more new episodes with Kirsten Lopez, and a big shout out to the new Patreon subscribers. You all are awesome, and I'm able to do some pretty cool stuff. You're keeping the podcast afloat uh, and helping me have the uh, momentum to put together fun public archaeology projects like this so i hope to do a lot more if you want to support what i'm doing through go dig a hole go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole all the patreon subscribers get a really cool go dig a hole sticker Uh, if you already have your sticker tag me on social media so i can see uh all the cool stuff you're up to i always love seeing those stickers out in the wild So, we we came to do this dig because you, you and I have been friends for years and years. You're actually the first friend I ever made in Louisville.
1: Number one. Uh,
0: comes full circle because it took me forever to make any friends in Louisville because I was doing CRM archaeology at the time, and my first year that I lived in Louisville, I was gone for like nine months. And... I was on the road all the time. It's really hard to settle into a new home when you're on the road all the time. But over the past few years, you've shown me a bunch of um, stuff that you dig up in your garden, and you have a background in science. You're a scientific dude. I like
1: science. Yeah.
0: Um, And so, over the years, we started to form this idea together through our communication and all that that if there's a significant site here it's a prehistoric site um and there's a, a research potential because more stuff keeps coming up and through your understanding of the soil and through your you know as as the landowner your kind of Attention to ethical details, like recording where things are and making essential notes that, that are useful to other people, uh, it preserves so much that goes beyond just like collecting arrowheads, you know. So, Daniel Van Dyke, uh, proprietor of the Moseon Inn.
1: Yep. Uh, Oak is the proprietor, I'm just the manager. <coughs> Sorry. She owns it. I manage it for her. her. Her thumbs are not what they used to be. I didn't mean to undermine her authority. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't know we're talking about her. That's good. <laughs> She's curling up on the blue mat. But your, your background's
0: interesting. So um, you have a master's in environmental sciences?
1: Uh, it's in recreation, recreation and tourism management. It's technically a master's of forest resources, but uh, my undergrad was wildlife biology and recreation and tourism management. And through that, I had to take soils and hydrology and all the fun ID courses that as a little kid, I always wanted to take, but didn't really have the discipline to take until you're forced to do it. Yeah. Until they're like, hey, by the way, you're on scholarship, so you really probably better learn this stuff. (laughs) Cool. It's my job. Memorize some plants. You can do that. So, yeah, did background a lot of science. Field research was almost entirely wildlife related, but there was a lot of uh, recreation related stuff. So, uh, trail surveys, things like that. Um, Developing forest management plans for recreation use on on private lands was a big part of my masters. It's the biggest part actually. Uh, And so, yeah, just through that. And I've always had a love of gardening. I was always the nerdy kid who, like, I would work in the garden with my mom, and everybody else was like, let's go do this, play video games. Like, eh, kind of got these projects I'd rather do in the <laughs> garden, so I'm going to go do that <laughs> instead. Go get dirty. Um, but because of that, um, if you do anything related to identification long enough, you eventually develop somewhat of an eye, whether it's for the individual thing you're looking for. So, like, there's always this idea when you're going out into the wild, so to speak, to find uh, XYZ amphibian or reptile or whatever, because most of my stuff is herpetology, um, you eventually, like, get to a point where, like, you can spot it. it, it you know, takes a little bit of time. You eventually kind of get your, your type specimen, and then you yeah. can start spotting stuff. Right. But that also kind of works across the board where you get used to where I've found artifacts in the soil. You get used to identifying... Very rapidly like what is normal what should be here what is okay what's riffraff you know the glass and brick that i want out of there and then what could be something special and so i have a philosophy that you don't grow plants you grow soil and so because of that i've excavated so much of my yard down to about 18 inches turning that soil layer over to pull out <coughs> any the riffraff pull out the glass pull out all the other bs and to mix in compost with it, yeah. and in doing that, I essentially sort the entirety of the soil bed of that top eighteen layer, eighteen inches. So it's good because there's a bunch of weeds, so I can pull out all those weed roots. Today we pulled out, you know, down to over four feet. It's goddamn bindweed! It, it grows down four <laughs> f- effing feet. Like, how are you going to eradicate something that we had to dig a four foot hole and we're still finding
2: it? Yeah, like
1: there's, you know, sort of chemical stuff, But uh, because of that, I sorted my soil, sorted my soil, sorted my soil, and that's where I started finding odd place, odd things. The first arrowhead I found, I actually just thought it was a piece of riffraff and threw it on the sidewalk because that's my normal move. Yeah. Just throw, like, all bullshit onto the sidewalk and then come back through, pick it up, sort it to what's compostable what needs to be tossed. And then I found it. I was like, uh, that's not a random piece of clay or something. That's an arrowhead. Yeah and then as I've moved uh, along the house and into the back um, when I got to kind of the area that seemed as though geographically would be the most likely undisturbed area with the most likely because of the location from the Ohio River and off of a tributary from the Ohio Beargrass Creek it seemed as though in my mind's eye my child ending in the cupboard's eye that I could find something in this area. Yeah, it's just like, oh, if I was going to camp, and you know, no roads exist or anything, like this would be pretty much a good spot to camp. Like mm-hmm. I'm off the main channel, up a little ways. Seems that's where I would camp, out of the floodplain. Yeah. Um, when I first had that thought was about two weeks later. I found the first arrowhead, which you know, probably just coincidental bullshit, but felt good. Yeah. Um, and then from there. There have been a handful of other things: another arrowhead, a weird midpoint. Looks like a piece of a midpoint worked a piece of uh, chart for a spear, and then a scraper cutter. And then the big one was the discoidal core that was found about a meter or so from the site that we dug today and yesterday. Yeah, um, which was really cool because it matched so closely to the scraper that I found in a different area, um, and that really continued to spark my interest in the idea that like there is something. Like no longer is it somebody shot an arrow at a deer that was running and it just happened to land in my yard, you know, seven thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's like somebody was doing something actively to produce arrowheads or points or whatever in the area. Yeah. So more than just a random happenstance, you know, hunting accident. And it still could have been somebody could have just like been running around and be like, well, I've got my use out of this core and thrown it. Who knows? Yeah. I have a hard time believing that because there's still quite a little bit of material on there, and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think you'd discard something that's still useful. So that's kind of where it all started, more or less. Um, Happenstance finds by somebody whose eye isn't trained to find those things, but is trained to find abnormalities in my own soil profiles. Yeah and a desire to get all the crap out of my soil so my plants can grow better. <laughs> and you have an intuitive knowledge of
0: all of the, the you know, like the soil matrix and the environment around your house because you work in it all the time Yeah, and because of your background in, in the earth
1: sciences. Yeah, it helps having <clears throat> taken soils and hydrology to be able to put myself in a like, geospatial area mm-hmm. to understand, like, this is normal. Yeah. This should be found here versus what the hell is this doing here? This doesn't make any sense. Um, And then, you know, there's still a lot to be learned about the past history of this area as far as um, we'll call it Western settlement uh, and what could have been here before the house was built, which was built 1910-ish. But would have been around here at that point because presumably it still would have been you know the butcher town area as it is because butcher town on story i think was settled 1860 1870 and so you know people were clearly in the area doing stuff and things yeah we found a bottle from between 1890 and eighteen six or 1916 today so clearly either the workers who were building the house were drinking beer and like (laughs) which is my current theory because i like to believe there was somebody building the house like yeah. He's probably like the head brick mason. Yeah. Who's like sitting there yelling at the kid. He's doing the interior brickwork. He's doing a crummy ass job. He's like, ah, screw you. Just get it up there. He's probably yelling at him in German. And then runs in the back and is like, I need a beer. Yeah, here's a good pile. Throw it in there. They're going to bury it anyways. Yeah. So, through
0: our conversations over the years and the photos you'd sent me of, uh, of the stone tools that you recovered from the garden. I started to get this idea that there's something going on here that's definitely worth investigating. And so fast forward, I don't know, five years, it's about right. However long it took to finally pull this off
1: and purchasing the house and purchasing the house. That was was also one of those. yeah, Yeah.
0: That was a key thing that had to happen is to be the landowner, to be able to do an investigation. Yeah. Um, it, we could have done it, but it would have been a little trickier, and you never know.
1: Yeah. You always want my landlord us. was cool, but you, know, <laughs> you never know how cool. Yeah, why, why uh, put that situation in front of her if it's nothing's going to get, nothing's going to change in that you know five year period? Right, that soil stayed exactly as it was. Right, so, it's been there for a while. It's probably going to stay there. Yeah, it's going to stay there. Tell um, so a Bobcat can like really rip through it all. Yeah, so
0: I knew I was going to end up having to come back here for two almost three weeks uh, for a couple friends weddings with a spare weekend in between and I thought that would be the best opportunity to do it and with a mind for the development that's happening in Louisville I felt like we should at least get the ball rolling and see what happens uh, before more development starts to happen that might threaten this property Um, and so I reached out to Chris Blair here who's also with us um, and and he helped pull this whole thing together and it's interesting screen man (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting to have like um, it's it's just interesting the way all of this came together and and like it it wouldn't have worked if not for your help so uh, as a CRM archaeologist, like, I know that it's often the last thing you want to do on your downtime is <laughs> dig a meter and a half down uh, when it's 100 degrees and I don't know how much percent humidity, but it's more humidity than I've felt in two and a half years. <laughs> the digging conditions are not pleasant. Uh but it's been fun. Uh, and so your, your background is interesting because we met on a podcast. And Good. it was so funny what a small world it proved to be because um, w- we ended up working with the same people years after I had left kind of that that field here in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ended up just becoming you know, long-distance friends along the way. Austerity. That's going to be really good sound effects. Get it on the <laughs> mic. Get it on oh, the mic. On Are on you on familiar with ASMR? <laughs> A-S-M... No. ASMR is...
1: Media recording?
0: No, I forget what it stands
1: okay, for. It's, it. it's sounds like... sounds legit. It's yeah. like <laughs> autonomous stimulus... You about how that sound would make me inherently thirsty, no matter where I was in the world. Response: Yeah, it would happen to be like, oh my god, I'm thirsty. You ever hear a sound a and beater? it gives you goosebumps, or you hear a sound and it makes you feel tingly? I had to listen to a guy try to remove a screw. That gave me goosebumps. It was like. Nails on a chalkboard, except yeah, for, like, yeah. you don't know how to use a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop! Oh, you're just like that. sounded like stripping yeah. a screw. I was like yeah. oh, but it wasn't even a hard screw to get out. <laughs> yeah. How'd you do that?
0: There was a whole like ASMR scene on YouTube, and I fell into like a YouTube rabbit hole oh, a while ago. And it's so weird. It's like people mashing up bags of chips. Mm. I love that sound. Whispering. Into the microphone, yeah. and it's like the sound of like their mouth moving because like you kind of hear like the wet sounds. Oh like yeah, uh, like oh, okay, whisper nice. or whatever. It's like people yeah. eating food. With some their people moving. are super yeah. into that. I don't know if it's erotica or if it's just like a weird sensory thing, but I feel like there's, both. you know, it'll it'll it's a, little a little meat. bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> push it far enough, some people are probably into it. I'm not here to kink shame. Yeah, you don't either <laughs>
1: You be you Yeah You're not hurting me Or making me listen to it do You do your you thing want. Here have some more beer Thank you sir Here at the mosey
2: but Beer Chris, clothes
0: Let's hear a little bit About your background Because you and I Have a lot of overlap um, In all sorts of realms
3: Yeah I feel like uh, We definitely have A lot of overlap In terms of Where we've ended up Professionally let yeah. would say Yeah uh it seems like our trajectories have been pretty similar um background wise for me honestly though i have been looking to or had been looking to get into crm previously and ended up getting a job in gis so finishing grad school working full-time doing gis um really great job And it's a good career to get in right now it seems like it's booming um but it wasn't exactly what i wanted to be doing i knew that i eventually wanted to get into archaeology uh in some capacity be it a academic style project or crm full-time so i was always trying to steer my career in that direction i guess you could say yeah um so I just kept my eyes open and eventually got an opportunity to move to Louisville and got a job doing GIS here and ended up working for the same people you had previously worked for. And after almost a couple of years of working doing GIS, I was able to move over to do archaeology full time. so, I've been doing that, and really enjoy it. And <clears throat> um, then actually, that's when I met you um was on the that podcast that we had you know, we met on previously a couple of years ago. Um, so when this opportunity came up, I thought, well, this is a cool chance to get out and try something. A little different for me honestly because most of the most of the work that I've done in archaeology has been uh, rural areas uh, farmland nothing in an urban setting like this yeah so this is a this is a neat chance to be in a completely different landscape to see how uh, you know see what you can find in a setting that's got a lot of development surrounding it, a lot of history. Um, literally in somebody's backyard. Literally in somebody's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> haven't done that yet, yeah. so checked off that box this It's weekend. a rare sight
0: <laughs> uh, in so many ways. It's It's rare because we, so my, there's still a lot of research left to be done, But from just some preliminary research on the projectile points that you showed me, it could suggest that it's possibly middle archaic. And that would be, give or take, a few thousand years, but somewhere in the ballpark of 7,000 years old for this area in Louisville. And where you found them is really, like, the tiniest window of undisturbed landscape in this place. So we're in the middle of a very urban setting, um, as anybody who's listening to this podcast will probably hear. Like, there's there's trucks mm-hmm. going by. It's, there's industrial stuff around us.
1: I mean, we are a quarter of a mile from the largest urban pig slaughtering facility in the U.S. They kill 10,000 pigs a day.
2: Yeah. With. If
1: you're
0: eating bacon, it might have come from here. Yep.
1: They probably drove by. Yeah.
0: <laughs> during this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some meat has been moved during this podcast. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, some, <laughs> some death guns have gone off several yeah. times. We might not be able to hear them. We can't hear the
0: squeals, but. God, you used to, though.
1: Oh, yeah. They've, they've sound they have they They cracked down
0: bit. on it. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you found children
1: <laughs> hood rats
0: we'll wait for them to
1: oh they're going to sit there and keep yelling oh they're, they're going to keep yelling y- oh, squirrel that's a well fed squirrel
2: yeah
1: yeah no. <laughs> lob and hit him nope he's nope, gone damn it I'm really afraid one day I'm going to break one of her windows because I'll sit here <laughs> yeah, and... there
3: he is oh look at his taunting you. Oh, that was a
1: terrible shot <laughs> <laughs> I keep throwing at our windows. I'm like, yeah, surely that plastic will stop me from breaking the window when I miss them on the gutter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it hasn't stopped me yet.
1: I realized yesterday I was throwing rocks over here, and there's somebody's. like I think it was actually my car, Mike's in there launching rocks at the squirrel, and I'm like, dude, your car window is behind it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> reconsider your strategies. How'd you get that star in your window? Uh, squirrel? Squirrel? <laughs> really? What'd the squirrel do? Uh, it
0: was, in, it was in the line of fire.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you throw rocks. Yeah. And sometimes you don't really realize that you shouldn't throw rocks because you're now a child.
0: Yeah, the site, it's a very busy urban area. Um, there's been a lot of development for well over 100 years.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so a lot of disturbances to the soil, but in urban contexts disturbance isn't always something that negates cultural material as we found out today like you can have infill episodes where you're dropping intact bottles in with everything else but they, it, it just gives you uh, ian hodder is a is a theorist on on you know uh archaeological theory and all that um but or the phrase That he calls is a palimpsest Of occupation where it's just like At one point on the Paleo landscape you had hunter Gatherers that came up From the river and were Just off of a tributary We're probably less than a half mile away From the Ohio River Off of a tributary that's maybe like 120 feet away from us yep. And They came up And they did stuff we don't know what it was yet, but they did stuff, and we we have some evidence of it. Yeah. Uh, but since then, there have been other people doing a lot of stuff since then, like, continuously. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to see that. Like, we've dug almost a meter and a half into the soil, and we haven't stopped finding
1: things. Yeah, finding more modern things. Yeah. Glass, brick, nails. yeah. It is weird, now we got the, the old nails The, the last round, I mean, We do have cut, cut nails. nails Yeah Gives hmm. me some hope.
2: Yeah,
0: so we, I mean the whole thing too Like the, the site for For Chris and I Is interesting because I've never had a chance to Dig a site Where I know What the stratigraphy is going to be With some degree of certainty And you've given us that degree of certainty Like all along like you were saying okay you're gonna dig through this and you're gonna find that and we would dig through that and we would find that and it was pretty cool like, it was almost like seeing the
1: future except for the point where I was like this is where <laughs> we're gonna start this is gonna be the cash boys <laughs> except for that part yeah. yeah I was pretty wrong it turns out that the the slag profile in that hole was much that, deeper than that i, I ever, ever <laughs> yeah, than I've ever yeah. encountered but then yeah. again I've never dug a meter and a half into my soil I've only mm. dug probably, probably just a meter and a little bit into my yeah. soil in certain areas so right you know personal sauna though
0: yeah but I mean we, we were testing the null hypothesis right like we expected to find a, a buried prehistoric layer and we haven't found it yet
1: but, but we found a, a change a strata change in the soil profile that suggests yeah. that we're at least in the right direction question is how how do you break up sandstone when it's like 10,000 years from actually becoming stone yeah right. <laughs> it's like there's compacted clay layers those are hard to break up god damn this sandstone layer actually seems harder than the clay
2: layer yeah <laughs> would be
1: if we ever did find a clay layer which i don't think we would
0: but might take a backhoe but uh Ooh we're just doing I mean, this for free so we're not There's gonna, one there's one down, down the, there there's one, down, there's, there's a one down
1: the street a couple of houses guys got one for rent You so. want to hot wire it? There we go. No, I just be like hey man we've got this little strip I want to dig up will you just loosen it all for us and we'll just silt like I'll just sit here and build my own screen and for the next 3 years just sift through it all Then <laughs> <laughs> realize that that's the one place that I'm not planning to plant anything. Yeah. But it's the soil that's the best aerated Ah, well it looks like i'm changing these plants (laughs) switch switch the garden over that's another thing that's that's
0: different about digging here is knowing what happens to an excavation unit after we backfill it so like you have you have a keen knowledge of plants and that's your primary use of the land here is is gardening and whether, we call it for, happiness. Yeah, whether for food or for ornamental purposes, like it's all for love. There's a lot of great plants here. Um, it's like it's garden goals. Hashtag garden goals. <laughs> but so it's weird to think like, yeah, we're gonna backfill this when we're done, but that's going to make it more desirable for plants, and so yeah. that's something to consider more broadly in the practice of archaeology is you can be out in a rural area like like Chris mentioned earlier and if you're backfilling a test unit you have to consider you should probably like like the the thing is is you've got to investigate as much as you can possibly investigate because once you backfill that unit it's, it's going to be full of roots yeah and it, those roots are going to extend outside like you mentioned earlier we've got these bind roots that are you know a meter and a half deep and we're still finding them and you know like those those will become more pervasive throughout the surrounding area because we're going to backfill and it's going to have well aerated soil exactly. like mixed up um and so that's one of those things like as archaeologists we know that archaeology is a destructive science like when you dig that's your only chance to see it
1: right you have to disturb to find yeah
0: but uh when you know if you haven't fully investigated a site then you're kind of ruining any chance to see it again
1: right or improperly investigating the site
0: improperly yeah that's a key word Because
1: I I thought about that several times today when they're really small things, like shoring up a wall, and we were talking about it, and, like, I found a bottle that we all had missed that was in the middle of the wall, that southwest wall. Yeah. And, like, Chris was like, hey, uh, what was the depth on that? Because it was, you know, 30 centimeters beyond what we had found. Yeah. But I can only imagine if there were individuals who didn't know at all what they were doing Right. They're trying to do that, and you're talking about knocking down a wall into your other layer. And it seems like there's a lot of room for contamination issues, for a better term. And once you backfill it, it's it's all contamination. There's no way you're keeping that strata separated and then adding it back in. And honestly, why would you? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I want to somehow plant a tree in the very corner of that so that it can grow out this way. and I still have my walkway on that one little path. Yeah. But I'm like, man, that tree would be super stoked. It's got a meter down. Meter and a half down. Just to cruise out. Like the roots have no interference. (laughs) I guarantee you what happened is if I planted a tree there and it grew down like that, I'd be a dead person. Seventy years from now. That tree would be all rooted in there some major windstorm would come, and it would just peel off of that wall because the roots never penetrated into the piece that we didn't. It would just peel off and just fall into the fence, and so somebody would look at it and be like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> well, there's actually some information on it if you want to look it up. Uh, yeah, 20, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a site record about this weird meter square right there. <laughs> yeah, it Turns out that that tree didn't quite spread out like it needed to. It got a little top hit. The soil wasn't compacted. Sorry about your luck, tree. <laughs> yeah, we—I don't know how much you guys pay attention, but you see it all the time in Louisville. Uh, anytime there's a huge rainstorm, rain event, and you see trees that are lifted up wholly by the roots and f- like fall over during a windstorm, mm-hmm. you can go look at them and you can see almost perfectly the soil line. Oh yeah, it's oh, like there's yeah, you know there's a two foot soil profile. Maybe it ran into bullshit clay because it already been washed away, and water just built up on that clay layer. Wind started to blow, tree's a little top-heavy, bam. Yeah. And then right underneath it, yeah, it's kind of wonderful to see. Yeah. Horrifying because I hate it for everybody else who has to deal with it. But from a science side, it's like, yeah, that's the way science works. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly why that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I'm out
0: on surveys in really rural areas, I like to check if there's like two things. One is the root ball. Yeah. That falls over on, on fallen trees because you can see exactly what you described. The other is the cut banks of streams. Yes. Because yeah. then you can see it's it's as good as we can get to a road cut. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A yeah. natural road cut soil profile. Yeah. Yeah. It's where you find the dopest geos when you're in Jefferson Memorial Park. <laughs> <laughs> find that little side profile and start yeah. digging in there. You're like, Oof, what's that? Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's a big old geo, already. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So we went into this dig
0: expecting to find a middle archaic component to a site, but also knowing that we would probably encounter some urban stuff. This is a house from 1905, 1910, somewhere around there, and there's been a lot of activity in the area since several houses were nearby that got raised in the
1: 70s you said that's what I remember Larry telling me I yeah could be wrong he could be wrong too he paints cars in his garage without ventilation So, <laughs> <I'm> not sure <laughs> I'm not sure his uh, his memory is the best always yeah <laughs> real good guy but man that's a, that's the thing about oral history yeah. is sometimes uh, I start smelling xylene over here and I'm like I I can smell this I look over there and he's just in the garage waving at me I'm like Ew. yeah Wow. What's up, Larry? I <laughs> can smell it here, man, and you're yeah. two lots over with no face mask on, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> drinking a Diet Coke. I'm pretty sure you're high as shit. <laughs> high as a damn kite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just the dopey smokes. Like, <laughs> it's clearly <laughs> the chemists. <campaign. laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a neat sight, you know. So we, we expected to find a middle archaic component. We put a one by one test unit in where we kind of expected it would be less disturbed.
1: It's so about a half meter from where I estimated I found the discordant core. Yeah, half, half meter southwest.
0: Yeah, and so we dug down, and I'd say, uh, guessing off the top of my head, uh, around fifty centimeters, we started to find maybe it was 40, we started to find a slag layer. It was like a slag dump that was... So, like, the the first couple layers, it was like we had maybe a solid 10 to 20 centimeters of topsoil. Yeah. And then... Actually, pretty nice stuff, too. It was good. Uh, And it looked natural, too. And then it was... What was underneath that was maybe 20-ish... 20, 25, 30 centimeters of kind of mixed silk clay loam, a little bit of modeling with just like
3: straight up clay. Yeah, it was like a thin thin lens of topsoil and clay.
0: Yeah. And then as we started to clear it out we found just this weird thing that initially looked like a backyard barbecue had happened and and, uh, we started to suspect or maybe it's an outdoor fire pit uh we were finding pig bones um some glass like bottle glass container glass from the mid 1900s and lots of nails lot yeah lots of nails lots of brick fragments um lots Limestone, of stone cobble uh-huh and whiteware <laughs> so it looked like you know some kind of like the, the the kitchenware kind of thing to follow like the the South Stanley South classification. Mm-hmm. there's was, was kitchenware. Uh, finding that, but also oddly well preserved faunal remains, right. Like butchered bones have been cooked. It was almost all pig. Uh, which isn't surprising. There's been a, like Daniel said, the the largest pig processing center in the country is right here uh it's probably been here for a while but we, we got into it and found that that level of of like slag and charcoal and, and all that lasted for a solid like 60 centimeters
3: if it not was more. it was done no, it was very at first as we were coming down and you know the unit itself is in a slightly sloped area of the yard adjacent to a garden that has been built up so there was a little bit of a natural slope there but then an artificial slope on the western side of it um so as we were coming down on that slag layer you could tell it had sort of like a sort of like a circular shape to it yeah um and it just widened as we got down you know 10 centimeters 20 centimeters down you could tell that it was starting to widen towards the north Um, but once we got down you could tell we were in the midst of just lots of mixed up material historic material charred remains everything was pretty well pretty well baked in there yeah the brick the limes everything that was in there was just cooked completely
0: yeah everything had some kind of a thermal signature on it. Like Mm -hmm. You could tell everything had been burnt. Yep. Yep. Uh, And then we got to the bottom of it and found an odd sandy level. Did
1: you guys already talk about that weird limestone cut piece that was there? No, we didn't. No. That was also really strange
3: Yeah That was in the middle Of the slag layer Yeah Which is Which is Interesting You know It was It wasn't exactly Sitting on top Of the Uh The base The base As we got down It still was sitting Sort of In the midst Of the slag Um, So I do wonder If it was just Heavy enough
0: That maybe It settled To the bottom And laid horizontally Mm Mm-hmm. When whatever that whole layer was was dumped,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this is also assuming that it was dumped, like we kind of assume that it was because there were a lot of bricks that were at random angles, um, and then above it was it was a little mottled, which would suggest that it was dumped and then probably rapidly
3: covered. Mm-hmm. There was ash in there too. Yeah that seemed to have been decently preserved. So there was like a mix of slag and ash.
1: that was right, uh, just above that stone was about where we found the still intact paper pieces.
3: Yes. Yes.
1: Right? It was just yes. above that. So it would kind of suggest that at least that corner was rapidly dumped and covered up and maybe not exposed to the high tip extremes that the other parts were. Yeah,
2: right. Or
1: that everything was dumped there after it had already burned out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah so it's a big wad of newspaper or maybe it's a lost scroll or
1: I, I don't even know what the hell it is. It's uh, Joseph Smith's lost Scrolls man <laughs> <laughs> We've got it We are we are in the midst of forming the mosey on end cult yeah sorry. Well, I'm sorry religion 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 yeah uh,
0: we have to legitimize this these call the religion.
1: religion Mosey on end moi religion moi. okay because it focuses on me-hmm so it works out really well. Um, for for all intents and purposes, these scrolls yeah. are really going to be quintessential to the uh, to the founding of this new religious movement that we're going to yeah. Create.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, archaeology has been used to validate far more sinister things. Totally, and it's in the history of the discipline. So I, I see you know being able to validate the Moseon incult. I'm sorry. Religion. Mosey on in. religious movement. At Mosey this point, on at this point, religion. we're just
1: we're just a movement. We haven't we haven't, you know codified yeah. everything yet. Codified. He yeah, well, Nice you like that? I like uh, that. Oh, uh, <laughs> we haven't codified our religion yet. No, but uh, you know we're in the works, really laying the foundations, and those scrolls will help to really you know even with the lack of writing on them, we're going to be able to uh, superimpose our own opinions onto them <laughs> to, to really form a solid basis of our religion. <laughs> Speaking of Codify
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the debut of Codify Kentucky Uh, And so uh, Codify to date has focused on The western states California, Nevada, Utah Colorado uh, And now Oregon too But uh, it it hasn't had... Thank you. (laughs) It's a good Rocky (laughs) head.
1: Jolly Pumpkin does that.
0: It hasn't had uh, as much buy-in in in the Southeast. uh, Just because we haven't really pushed as hard there. I was going to say, yeah. Yet. Yeah. Uh, We're still pretty early on. But, so, uh, it's interesting to have a... A public archaeology dig. We had throughout the last two days combined probably about a dozen
1: people who are not archaeologists, and some of them were actually pretty useful. Like Janie was super useful, she yes. brought hydrochloric acid so we could test stuff and she yeah. was able to identify some things that we were questioning whether or not they were, you know, brick intrusions or you know, some sort of other soil feature. Yep. You had the German who was able to translate the weird brewery thing that we didn't think we were actually going to find in the yeah. brewery book.
3: Right. That was helpful. On-the-fly archival research. Yep, yep exactly. Awesome. And yes. then you had the union leader who was
1: able to schedule our union breaks to make sure that we were efficient in our breaking. Yes. A chef. Chef was good. He helped identify the, the pig bone as a, as a uh, shoulder bone. Yeah. And made us buns, which were you know energy. We got fed
0: and we got high quality zo archaeological
3: confirmation there.
1: Yeah. So that's good. Um, solid inter-
3: d- interdisciplinary inter- team. I'll yeah.
1: Say. It was a very diverse in our team. Yeah.
0: It's interesting too. And so like that's the that's the that's the thing about public archaeology is like it it has to be collaborative and it has to be inclusive. And there's actually a lot of research value to what we did. And it's very interesting that we had two archaeologists, a geologist, someone with a background in the earth sciences. Uh, and then we had a chef and probably a grand total of ten other people who were just hanging out. Yeah. And we got a an archaeological investigation that is better documented than most professional digs are and it has like a photo log like level forms um a site form
1: I think our only failing all is, ready
0: to rock our only, <laughs> like,
1: only failing is we didn't have the Munsell
0: yeah we, we did we not the have color the Munsell
1: then we would have been totally on point
2: uh huh
1: looks like Mosey on end might need to invest on its own Munsell color guide we'll, we'll take it into account
2: We'll get that. Off of
1: the uh, keg revenue we've made this weekend. We there you go. Easily have it.
2: E- sure. Yeah. <laughs> Considering
1: we went through a six-barrel of beer in less than 24 hours. <laughs> Holy to shit. To put that, put that in perspective.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
1: The keg that I tapped right before you guys got here yesterday, Saturday, uh, I went ahead and put one in there. Just was like, oh, cool, I'll throw this in there. It's like, clearly this half-barrel, this 15-liter keg, it's probably got some life on it. Mm-hmm. So we floated that by five o'clock yesterday, and then yeah. we started pulling exclusively off of the other one, and it floated uh, just before the second round of buns happened. So, oh in less than twenty-four hours, we managed to float a six-barrel here.
2: Mm.
1: That's how you know you're working hard, guys. That's how hard archaeological dig. Yeah, requires a lot of fluids.
0: Well, as Chris said earlier, I mean, if if we had to go forty more centimeters, we'd probably kill the
2: next one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, we've already pulled off five pictures off of the next one,
2: so (laughs) (laughs) we're well on our way.
0: That's another thing that's uh, rare about this archaeology project is we have, uh, well, one, a bathroom all of 80 feet away from the excavation unit and plenty of libations and a chef, Josh Lehman, preparing i don't know the best food in louisville
3: for us i'd say it was absolutely yeah it was was wild
1: definitely the best food for digging up a yard with that's for sure
3: yeah (laughs) uh it's
0: you know i've been on projects where uh they say it doesn't have to hurt but it doesn't have to hurt
1: i mean we were hurting we got good sweaty and dirty and Stung by some mosquitoes and whatnot.
0: Yeah, it's the most I've sweat in almost three years.
1: It's nice to get out of that hole and have a chef with buns waiting for (laughs)
0: me. Buns and Beer Yeah, buns and like steamed bow buns. Oh my god, steamed bow
1: buns and several pitchers of great beverage. Yes, I definitely encourage you to want to do that next twenty.
0: It keeps spirits high. Helps. Yep. So we didn't find what we were looking for today or yesterday. Um, We might find it tomorrow. Might not. It's a federal holiday. We might not. But we have enough to keep us going to still believe that there's research value to the site.
1: Yeah. I mean, now we're at the weird layer where we thought we would be, or I thought we would be, probably a foot above where we are. I thought we would get this layer. Yeah. Man, that slag hole really threw me for a loop as far as things I've encountered in the yard. Yeah. I've encountered it in different spots, but not quite to that degree. Right. So now I'm kind of curious to know know, if that hole would have been, the meter square would have been three meters down closer to the river. Would we have the same slag level? Would we break through quicker? Like, because presumably that. The sand layer that we're at right now would be at the same space. Yeah. Granted, it'd be a foot lower from surface because of just geographic change. Mm-hmm. But would we encounter the same, for want a better term, bullshit? Right. That we encountered in that huge half meter, maybe of slag. That was well,
3: have you encountered the slag previously? I have. You have. Yeah. In the hole that but I not, found the depth. but not to that depth. I see. And okay. I think
1: part of it was probably that. <laughs> thinking back on it I'm like I know I've run into that layer I ran into that layer where I found that discoidal core but I didn't need to go further because I was basically trying to excavate the hop rhizome out of there to clear it out sanitize it and allow it to be able to have a better growth pattern for the future Okay. and so what I'm thinking now kind of looking back on it was I probably hit that slag layer and started hitting a bunch of BS and the roots started cutering out and I just dug it through and then moved on because why would I attempt to get through a layer of BS that has no relevance in it, right yeah. most of my plants are not going to go down three feet
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if they do that's super awesome because my soil is dope and they want to go as deep as they can like the tree that'll fall over in 70 years when they're planting the hole uh, but I think from my standpoint Looking back, like, I have hit that slide layer before in that area. And I think I just chose, basically, like, why would I go through this? I have no reason to go a meter and a half deep. Uh, now I do, but, you know, So, and I don't ever recall it being so damn uniform. Yeah. I mean, but as we saw, it really wasn't because that northeast-northwest corner kind of stayed away from it for a little while yeah and then it's like it went into it once we hit that that uh, limestone piece like it kind of fell into the same layer as the things that were from the southwest corner. yeah
3: I think that's what I was saying earlier as you were moving down as we were moving down through the unit and excavating through it um it had sort of like a like a circular shape to it as yeah. we were coming down because the yard sort of slopes yep. in that uh, and coming off the driveway coming off the driveway um so yeah, once we got down into it, though, it was there was a lot more there than I expected. Yeah, for sure. It became
1: <laughs> much more uniform. That that corner, that northeast corner, didn't have it for like probably a full ten centimeters. We mm-hmm. didn't have any of it. And then all of a sudden, like it kind of universally slicked over yep. to this you know slag, charcoal, BS, mixed bones, weird broken pottery layer across the entirety of the mm-hmm. of the hole.
2: Yeah. Kind
1: of <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting tomorrow to see if there's anything that produces out of that bottom layer. Um, and then there's a huge part of me that's like really curious to know that from, you know not necessarily five meter difference, but even two meters from that hole is the disturbance the same? Yeah, because well, that's
3: really weird
1: disturbance to have that kind of a layer.
3: Yeah, definitely. I don't think that what we're hitting now is necessarily sub, though. That's the thing that's interesting about it. It's sandier. It's got more clay content, but I don't think... I mean, we're still getting artifacts. We're still getting nails. We're still getting glass. Predominantly, those two things. But I think that there's still probably a little ways to go before we hit sub. Like, a really dense clay layer yeah and which this, is a little bit more typical of a soil profile around here you know what I mean yeah you tend to get
0: you know basically what we saw at the surface is is kind of a topsoil layer mm-hmm. and then a you know silty sandy clayy something going on mm-hmm. and then just straight up clay mm-hmm. a subsoil and now we're into this odd sandy silty thing that's that's underneath all of it and i think we're probably into the paleo landscape now mm-hmm. that's before there's been a lot of modification of the landscape here which is yes kind of the the again the interesting thing about urban archaeology is here in Louisville, Kentucky, beginning in the 1820s, there was a massive kind of earthworks project by infilling everything you possibly could in the wetlands, which was just about everywhere, mm-hmm. and then overlaying it with soil so that you could have a yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, th- I think we've basically identified, you know, kind of and extent of that infill project
3: definitely i agree i think that we are definitely in the if not the 100 year flood plain in Alluvia we're in the 500 year yeah or adjacent to where those two transition and i suspect that a lot of the development that has occurred here adjacent to the floodplain has been built up. So what we're seeing is a little bit of a build-up of the landscape so the you know, development could take place adjacent to the river and the drainages that are close to the Ohio over here.
0: We needed some light. Yeah. Nice. We'll so it's you... a cool site still, even though we didn't find what we thought we would, it's still very interesting and it has a lot of research value um but w- what I think is good lord what you pop. do she's a pudding pot. <laughs> 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 what I think is is rare uh, it's one of the rarest things about this whole endeavor digging your yard Daniel is archaeologists complain about dealing with landowners all the time
1: Oh, I think any they complain about any resource manager complains about dealing with landowners all the time. I feel like it's not just a universal constant It's it's right there.
0: Land use management.
1: Even if the landowner is the federal government, the state government, you still complain about how they manage it because you're like, no, really, we could actually use science and manage it based on something like this thing called science. Or you could use your emotions and be
2: a jackass.
0: Yeah. Uh, or Value intuition for what it is, right? It's valuable. It's, it's qualitative, but it's valuable. Absolutely. Right? As we've seen here. And so um, I hope that there are archaeologists out there or landowners out there who might hear about this and try and strike up as collaborative an endeavor as this was, you know, and, and like, you have plans for future research, we've been talking about it, and we're, we have like, you know, it's, it's, it's all very collaborative, the whole thing, and it's, I can't imagine how much research potential is out there on private land that is diminished because it's either outside the scope of work for an archaeologist to talk to the landowner or that's not my job or I'm tired I don't want to do this any of the numerous excuses to not have a lasting relationship with the landowner and you and I were were friends way before any of this came up so when this did come up I was like well geez this really like landed in my lap you know and and we keep joking about it, but what better place than here, what better time than now, yeah. right?
1: Well, I think a big part of that is that, in my opinion, part of the reason why you were excited about doing it was because of my excitement about doing it. Totally. As the person who yes. has the property and the site, like I've been, I've been thinking about this ever since you and I even remotely talked about it. Yeah. Even when it was just kind of a joke between the two of us it, yeah. was, it was it was something that was not a joke to me it yeah, yeah is scientifically exciting for my own currently not used scientific brain it wanted that outlook right and with that being said that's you know there's a lot of landowners who want to know things but I don't feel as though they have the avenue to to pursue that knowledge And so, yeah, did they find arrowheads in their farm when they were tilling it up and, you know, maybe a couple of cool things? Yeah, but that to them was the end of the story. Uh, And yet there's more to the story that they could allow to happen if they were willing to allow it to happen. If they were willing to reach out and say, okay, look, I have found X amount of artifacts in this area. I'm cool with you guys coming out here and doing something because i know that ultimately twofold one it won't hinder my development of my property yes if i choose to do something over top of it as a private landowner, i can do whatever the hell i want which is great and terrifying in the same breath but, <laughs> yeah. um you know because it's great because if you have the desire to have the knowledge then you can achieve that but also if you're a negative individual and they're like well I don't want to know because then maybe you're going to stop me. Maybe there's something something there and I don't want to know about it. Yeah. But the collaborative outreach of having the desire to know and the people who can help me find help me know. Yeah. You know that's invaluable. Totally. And for a private landowner the vast majority of private landowners if they know somebody who's in archaeology their ideal of it is much like we were joking about today. It's like, oh, they're like Indiana Jones, that's so cool. It's like, no, nah, that's really not how that works out. Like it's a lot of minutiae <laughs> <You know? laughs> here's a bone fragment, here's a
0: piece of glass. Yeah, right. It's ninety five percent excruciating boredom. Yeah, it's like five cool. percent gotta... Hey guys, here's the synthesis of the tens of hours of boredom I just yeah. waded through. Right. Like to I say, can't explain
1: how excited I got this when we found that weird porcelain button. <laughs> yeah. A weird button. I was like, ah, button, yeah! What's a button doing down here? Mm-hmm. We found that
0: bottle that had Lexington Strasse mm.
1: yeah, it Brewery. It said Lexington Street on it. Street? The ad said Strasse. The what? So the ad in the Louisville Brewery book yeah. had the uh, Lexington Strasse Brewery in German, yeah. So it. Was, Very interesting. So the bottle was Lexington Street Brewery. But then when we referenced the uh, Louisville Brewery book, The History of Louisville Breweries, uh, well, one cool. of the main ads for it was for Lexington Strasse Brewery. So all in German, the entire ad from nineteen, huh. it was 1912, maybe, somewhere around there, was yeah. the ad itself. And from, we're from what, three, two, three miles from where? Lexington yeah. Street? We're, we're all of three miles because it was 18th and Breckenridge, which yeah, is...
3: previously Breckenridge. Pretty
1: far, far.
2: Yeah,
0: so through this dig, even though we didn't find the, the middle archaic component that we were looking for, we ended up relating this house to the historical environment that it was in. You know, We, we ended up What's learning again? a lot about the debtor's prison, the Workman's oh yeah. Row, yeah. Workman Street, uh, or what was it, Workhouse Street. Workhouse Street, yeah. Yeah, there was a workhouse where people who were in debtor's prison could work off their debts. And learned a lot about, you know, kind of the urban history around turn-of-the-century Louisville here. Yeah, because
1: we did have, we had another expert. We had the parks expert. Yeah. was able to come in. Matt Inley Spalding was able to give us some good park expert knowledge of some of those surrounding environs that would have influenced what happened here. Right. Yeah. It was yeah, very, we, very we really did interesting have timing, timing good, too. It's a good team. Odd yeah. team of yeah consummate beer drinkers who well, and had and like actual knowledge
3: that could read the, the ad for yeah, us the German, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the German we thought it was generally yeah. useless we he,
1: just was, happened to have man. he was
0: totally Sebastian useful Sebastian from Freigeist over yeah. here <laughs> on his you know couple weeks that he's in the country from Germany look at an ad that's in German and tell us what it was yeah. while we heckled him with jokes about being the German from you know the Last Crusade. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's enjoying the States. Yeah. To every extent he can. Uh,
1: but no, it is beautiful how what started at a bar, very literally, started at a bar, a conversation really? you and I had pretty much, was yeah. at, I believe at a beer store initially, yes. and then call, followed over to when you were working the Holy Grail and us still BSing about it. Yep. to me actually finding things to a point where we spend a weekend with an odd ball group of people coming by to the house to hang out most of them not necessarily worthwhile as far as like information they could give us but most of them being at least entertaining enthusiastic, enthusiastic yeah. Yeah. and entertaining yeah. and, then and that's also, really like, all you can hope for and randomly you have somebody who's like oh yeah I know that oh yeah that's that yeah.
0: And also, it was like, the enthusiasm of the people who didn't have, like, maybe the research chops that any of us do, the enthusiasm that they had and their eagerness to ask questions forced us to use our research chops to answer those questions. Yep. Right. Right. Like, Austin came by earlier and he asked all the questions about the entire stratigraphy. All the way down, like he was just looking at the profile and being like, "What's going on there? What's going on there? What's going on there? What's going on there?" And it was—it feels better now. Maybe it's because it's nighttime and I've I had, had a couple few beers. beers yeah, beers. I a like few, beer. a few hours ago when it was a hundred degrees and I was sweating all of my body fluids out. Like for him to go, "What's going on there?" I'm like. I, I don't care, and I don't want to look at it. And I that was yesterday, and now I'm down here. But it, it made me come out of that thing to go, well, this is actually kind of really cool that someone's asking me all these questions. And it was also really cool to have Chris here. <laughs> To be like the archaeologist with a sharper edge than I do, you know. Like I'm, I'm mostly on desk duty. I haven't, I, I, you know, like the podcast why is called sw- "Go Dig a Hole," but I'm not going and digging <laughs> holes at all. That's why you're it's, sweating it's so like, bad. Yeah, it's it's more like, uh, go talk about going to dig
3: a hole. <laughs> well, it's like you said yesterday. We had to pull you out of retirement, we'll bring you back. <laughs> He's still mad that I learned your, uh,
1: your, your till. <laughs> like scooping I didn't smooth. even try to figure it out I know I watched you, you didn't even try it I was like oh he keeps going with the over the top spill Chris taught me the way cooler method would you bring it down you throw it <laughs> underneath and get rid of yeah. those rocks plus cooler. feet method. yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect
0: go figure I can't empty a rocker screen the, you got a new the chef that...
1: in yeah
2: grab a glass
1: chef join the conversation we already <laughs> talked about you yes <laughs> you're our chief bone identifier
2: all right.
0: Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's our signal. Okay.
2: Good. Yeah.
1: crazy. But yeah, it is. It is wonderful for me as a landowner, and also for what a better term like knowing everybody outside of Chris, who I just met, having a group of my friends come over, who have a very diverse background. Some of them very scientific based. Some of them absolutely not scientifically based whatsoever but having them be able to contribute to a weird project that honestly they knew I was excited about my excitement usually wears in my sleeve. And so the group of people who are like, well, I believe they're in a similar suit of myself where like, you know, I'm a little kid. I've always been a little kid. My sense of wonder will always, I hope remain at little kid level, the desire to learn, to see like something new. And so when you have that you see that influence in other people they're like oh this is so cool why is he so excited about this like this is my friend why is he so excited about this idea right well shit i guess i should come over and find out yeah and then then you have a trail of people coming through and some of them completely worthwhile others of them worthwhile in the fact that they fill up pictures of beer for us which is a skill that we need
3: we needed that very necessary
1: uh, hydration scientist you know you, you need that person to dehydrate you scientifically with beverage <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's cool in, in a lot of those regards for me especially because i have a severe lack of science in my life and to be able to at least recall little things related to soil strata to intrusion points to Smelling soil and realizing that like, okay, like when we got to that sand layer All I wanted to do was smell it because it smelled different than the the slag layer Like, The, the nose was completely different. Yeah, if I had been in a better mindset, I probably would have eaten it because yeah, I eat dirt That's cool. But like the taste matters. You you, you, see, you learn a lot. You can see you can taste a difference. You can smell yeah. a difference. You can feel a difference It's another sensory evaluation like getting down to that layer the weird thumping sound on that sand layer is really strange the I'm reverberation wet it is yeah too. the reverberation for it is it, it it's very different from any other strata we hit yeah and do i know what that means hell no am i stoked to like maybe make a guess for it you damn right i am like that's the fun part yes, we Yeah. we can make a hypothesis sure. we can test hypothesis we can look at it we can learn And maybe we learn that we don't have enough information to actually make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we learn that shit. This is what this is. And someday down the line, you're working at Fort Knox and you hit a weird sand layer. You're like, I've encountered this before. Yeah, it was in Louisville, Kentucky, at this weird mosey on inside. I don't know what this (laughs) reverberation (laughs) means, but I've at least I've at least heard this
2: before at the mosey site. Like (laughs) mosey
1: site. All I can
3: do is hashtag
0: know, the Mozyon. This is gonna be on
3: the state record. Yes, I was gonna Bible say way. this is gonna be the first site form ever. It's gonna have like a, a really cool name and not just the site number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the on inside. Yeah, because yeah, exactly.
0: normally, normally they're called like Field Site Three, right, or something like that. Something so if very we're gonna generic. do it. This would be field.
1: This would that would be <laughs> Hole Sixty Nine, Field Site Four Twenty.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, If that's what it is. Yeah, and yes. then the next one would be Hole Sixty Nine dot A. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Or I guess dot B. Can... Maybe dot B. Maybe yeah. dot B in the second yeah. one. Still, site form four twenty. Yeah. I like that. I mean, you got to differentiate between A and B. Yeah. And 69.1 is not nearly as cool as 69A and 69B. Yeah. Let's be honest here. If we're going to be children. Let's be pure children. Right? Yes. Well, is,
3: it, it, that little, that inner child curiosity that you were talking about before, I think that's really that's really what makes a good scientist. Somebody that asks questions and just has a general curiosity about what they're seeing in the world and why is this here, why is this uh, you know, what are the details about this that I can kind of eke out based on uh, based on what I'm finding here. Um, I think that that is a really invaluable trait to have yeah, it's it's that, and I think the
1: the reason for me personally why I believe I'll maintain that is, is that all it ever takes is those couple of connections that you make through that that desire to learn. Yes, and you make that connection, and all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, that makes total sense!" Right. Hold on, you mean most of this shit can actually be explained scientifically? Mm-hmm. Wow, maybe I should approach things differently. And then you start seeing that there are things that it makes sense
3: this isn't entirely random yeah
1: this is not this. a random thing this right makes sense because yeah. it should make sense yeah do miracles happen i don't fucking know do i believe miracles happen honestly maybe but they're, they're they're certainly not inspired by like the god it's just a miracle of like modern science or a miracle of like wow you were a one in one billion baby like yeah dude you're a miracle only because you're statistically not supposed to be here. Right. Like, yeah, I don't, but when you develop that childlike mind of of want, wonder, and all, and start putting things together where you can look at certain areas and, and realize what they are and see that we have the science to back up what they are, when you start seeing those sites and you start put it in your own mind's eye that's when you find whatever it is you're looking for whether it is your your god or whatever it is like you see the Grand Canyon you recognize that that is just an erosive landscape just an eroded landscape historically eroded through some crazy riverine action a little bit of wind action but then you look at it and step back you realize how magnificent that idea is the idea that this terrific gorge was carved by this meandering river that the river didn't give a shit where it went All, it's water it's like what's the just path, of, the least path resistance? of least resistance yeah, yeah. where can right. I go to get to where hell I'm going least resistance I had that experience in the Red River Gorge
0: this past weekend and I feel like it takes leaving it, it takes leaving Kentucky to really or for me at least to really see the beauty of it yep same here. And for me to come back, it's it's like when I was gone, I immediately missed the people, right? Like you, uh, chef over here, which is his, hey, how you doing? his second appearance on the Go Diggle Bowl podcast. If you remember the Bourbon Pompeii yeah. site, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. How I gotta
1: forget. That was absolutely fucking. It was fun. That's that's a very memorable moment for me. It was special. It really was. Like, yeah. That was really fucking
0: cool. I'm glad I got to be a part of that. You and Norbert.
1: Norbert.
2: My
0: Norbert. soon-to-be father-in-law. Look, yeah. uh, let the yeah. record show that I was Norbert's. jealous
1: of that experience that I did not get to be a part of. And I was Nick, extremely Nick jealous. <laughs> Nick, who works it,
0: with yeah. the Kentucky Shippo,
1: <laughs> and I I talked to Nick
0: about this project, and he said, you know, there's, there's no legal requirement that you document anything. Right. You you can dig whatever you want. You can do it however you want to. There's no legal requirement, but ethically you should record it and you should fill out a site form. Posterity, man. And you had mentioned earlier that one of the barriers to pulling off this project was you being the landowner because you you had rented this property for years prior to, to owning it. Yeah. But another barrier was paperwork. And Even though Kentucky doesn't have that much paperwork to fill out, it's still enough of a barrier to be able to pull off something in my spare time, right? Right. Because I can't tell you how many times I I would be doing CRM archaeology and I would be a salaried employee and I would have to work over 40 hours just doing paperwork. Like, I'd work 40 hours doing field work and I'd be 100% billable but I'd fill out the paperwork after the field work on my own time yeah. and uh, it's, it's just really cool to have Codify be part of this and we get to like have fun drink beers dig a cool site and just know the paperwork's done and taken care of while we're doing it
1: yeah the real-time recording allows us to have a real-time paper mm-hmm.
0: and we get to play with maps
1: maps are so cool
0: on our union breaks yeah it's cool <laughs> we're also it's I, I don't know is this the only like socialist project that's ever
1: happened in kentucky i think it is i don't know i mean probably we're pretty socialistic here a lot of e, uh, egalitarianism. Everybody knows that the only person who's not equal is Oak, the proprietor. She's Oak. clearly the boss dog. Yeah. Uh, nobody's above her. Um, after that, I'm largely chief asshole, so uh, my opinion doesn't necessarily matter, but I state it the loudest. Yeah. <laughs> That is. So, you know, that's kind of a, a flux position. Otherwise, we're all equal. Oak's
0: the only one with Definitely. direct reports, right? Yeah, she's like, the only one who actually... We are all direct reports to Oak.
1: Yeah. yeah. But to be honest, if Oak ever disliked a human being who came over here, that human being wouldn't be allowed over here. That that would be a like i I've Definitely. never seen it happen. She likes people, which makes us all equal because she's a loving dog and loves humans. She especially loves Hugh. She loves babies. She's all about that baby. Yeah, we had a baby on site today. There was, some, there was a close calm a few moments or whatever yeah. oh yeah it turns out babies uh, touch dogs and Oak doesn't like being touched in certain spots Ooh, I'm sure broke. that's what happened well every time I was at, uh, yeah, like
0: loves <laughs> babies Oak just in case, <laughs> babies touch like, dogs he
1: accidentally I think he, like,
0: sometimes they touch dogs her, in bad spots
1: he must have stepped on her or something but she barked immediately and like huge. just started Balling. Oh, is and that? And
0: then, like, somebody, like, head. grabbed him oh, up okay, so yeah.
1: shit. and shit. It was like, eh, it's all good. He didn't nip at her or anything. But then, like, Oak was over, like, hovering around, like, Hugh,
2: Just like, sorry, dude. Yeah, that's, sorry. that's Oak's thing. Oak, like, like yells at you and she's like, like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you didn't yell, at you, dude. Yeah, she's like, she was
0: all
1: like, <laughs> fuck. Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It turns out, it I wasn't was worried that, like, she, like, nipped at her she doesn't yet. usually in my experience yeah. other people have said she has to them but they're like full grown adult people like Oak tried to bite me and I'm like yeah well what'd you do and they're like well I mean I petted her here I'm like yeah you're not supposed yeah. to and yeah, you're yeah. like a full grown adult and I've told you this so you should know better you should know better, you should know better. Yeah, yeah, better. like agree. little kid
0: and like just, my, just have I situational hope, awareness I like the dog's exhibiting better. aggressive posturing yeah. right. Oak, Oak will snap before at a kid
1: before it, it snaps it's like hey by the way yeah. Right. Don't do this. Oh, you did it? Yeah, I'm going to tell you you shouldn't have done that, but I'm not going to reprimand you in a yeah. right, more physical way. That's what I want to believe. Well,
2: God, hurt. I hope it never happened. I mean,
1: that it I would say hurt, like, whatever happened. It, oh, hurt, his, it hurt his feelings. Yeah.
2: Because I'm sure it, like, she hurt snapped hurt at him, her, like, like,
1: And then she was like, oh, man, I, I want to lick your face. You still got yogurt on it. <laughs> 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 it's
0: the only site I've ever heard of that had a baby on an active dig site. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, we set out to make it inclusive. We had a baby.
2: Man, so, so Jamie
1: really didn't bring enough women over. We we were really not good on the egalitarian women side of this dig. But no, 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 no. no. It's also it's the different. only site I like, I I've like ever beer. been on that is.
0: Accessible, inclusive, uh, socialist. We had we had a chef, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, personal uh, chef, and there there was beer on tap. Mosey on in, folks. Yeah, I'm chef? I'm, awesome. I'm guessing there's not many uh, dig sites where there's draft beer. I wouldn't guess it was me. No. sites. Where I once getting getting, like, dug like, baby at baby Buffalo Trace. Definitely no 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 dig sites where you getting Buffalo
0: Thanks for listening to the go dig a hole podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please consider uh, supporting it on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. Uh, All of your contributions are incredibly appreciated. And uh, I've already been able to do a lot of amazing things with your support. So thanks again. And please uh, share this with any of your friends, colleagues, classmates, students, teachers, whatever. Uh, you can also find me online. I'm very online. Uh, the blog is go dot Uh you can find me on all the social media platforms at go Dig a Hole.